Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the Scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. Simply speaking, we just need to turn to the Spirit in our spirit, set our mind on the Spirit, and switch on the law of the Spirit of life. Then we can overcome the law of sin and death in our being. And spontaneously, we live Christ and express Christ. If you have ever struggled with wanting to do the right thing, but failing and feeling condemned, you are experiencing what Paul talked about in Romans chapter 7, and you won't want to miss today's life study of Romans with Witness Lee. Thank you for joining us today as we explore one of the most perplexing aspects of the Christian life. And here with us to participate in this fellowship is Ed Marks. Ed, welcome back. I'm glad that you're here to help us find our way out of the experience of Romans 7. To find our way out of this experience, we need to see in detail what this experience is, and I believe this can be a big help to us today. The first thing we need to see is, although this is the experience of an unsaved person, nearly all Christians can identify with this chapter. Romans 5 speaks of the truth of being in Adam. Whereas when we come to Romans 6, we see what the truth is of being in Christ. But when we come to Romans 7, what we see is the experience of someone who is in Adam. And of course, Romans 7 describes a very terrible situation that we want to be delivered from. Eventually, when we come to Romans 8, and we will come to Romans 8 in a future broadcast, this shows us the experience of being in Christ. We're in Christ doctrinally and positionally, but we want to have the daily experience of being in Christ through the law of the Spirit of life, and we'll look forward to that program later. But I hope this gives some kind of context for our listeners of Romans chapter 7 in the Divine Revelation. Ed, I'm glad that you pointed out that this experience of Romans 7 is one that is very common, and nearly all believers pass through this. So I know today we're probably going to be speaking to many people who either have been or presently are experiencing these things, and I think that the unveiling that's available in these life studies is really going to present the way out. Let's join Witness Lee. He's going to begin today by touching verses 7 through 20 in Romans chapter 7. We have three laws revealed in the last part of chapter 7. Let's read from uh, verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. But I had not known sin except through the law. For I had not known coveting except the law had said, You shall not covet. It is clear that the law gives 
the knowledge of sin, and the law exposes the sin. Verse 8, but sin, listen to this, taking occasion through the commandment, wrought in me coveting of every kind. Sin utilizes the law to work in us more sin. For without law, sin is dead. So you see, law came not to help us, but to help sin. Before the law, or without the law, sin is dead. Nine. For I was alive without the law once, but when the commandment came, that means when the law came, sin revived, and I died. The law came to revive sin, to make sin alive. Verse 10, and the commandment which was unto life. This was found to me to be unto death. The law was supposed to be unto life. But eventually, it is found to us to be unto death. Verse 11, For sin, again, taking occasion through the commandment, deceived me, and through it, killed me. Sin is the killer, but the law is the killing instrument. The law is the knife. So sin using the law, firstly, deceived us and eventually kill us. Deceiving killing, surely, are the doings of a person. Now you have to consider sin as something personified. Verse 12, so that the law is holy and the commandment holy and just and good. Essentially speaking, the law is such, holy, just, and good. Verse 13, Did then that which is good become dead to me? Certainly not. But sin, that it may appear sin, working dead to me through that which is good. That means through the law. That sin through the commandment may become exceedingly sinful. Law doesn't help us, but law makes sin exceedingly sinful. Verse 14, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am fleshly, sold under sin. That means sold to sin. Sin is the buying master. I have been sold to him. Verse 15, For what I do, I do not acknowledge. Here it doesn't mean I do not know. How could you say that you do not know what you do? Surely you do know what you do. But here it means you don't approve it. I do not acknowledge. I do not approve. For what I will, this I do not practice. But what I hate, this I do. 16. 
But if what I do not will, this I do, I agree with the law that it is gold. So now, it is no longer I that do it. Here corresponds with Galatians 2.20. It is no longer I that lives. Here it says, it is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. But sin that makes his home in me. Verse 18. For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, nothing good dwells. Be careful. Firstly, Paul says, I know that in me. Right away, he gives us a modifier. That is in my flesh. Don't say there's no good in you. There is something good in you. But in our flesh, that is in our fallen body, nothing good dwells. In the fallen body, which is called flesh, is sin there with all its lust. So nothing good dwells there. For to will is present with me. So you see, you do have a good will. Don't say there's nothing good in you. You do have a will to do good. To will is present with me. But to do the good is not. For the good which I will, I do not. For the will which I do not will, this I practice. Verse 20. But if what I do not will, this I do. It is no longer I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. I find then the law. Here's a law. That at my willing to do the good, the evil is present with me. Ed, there's no doubt that any serious Christian reading these verses will be impressed that the law of God, in combination with the flesh and sin, actually becomes the very instrument that sin uses to kill us. This is an extraordinary realization, Ed, about the law. But it's clearly unveiled in the Bible. What does all this mean? We need to realize that the law is a portrait of God. Anyone who makes a law, if I make a law, that shows what kind of person I am. Well, God's law shows who God is, what God is. God is love. God is light. God is holiness. And God is righteousness. This is what the law unveils about what God is. Well, as fallen people, when we look at the law, we realize this is what God is and this is what I am not. So what the law does when we come to the law and when we see the law and we see this portrait of God, what it does is it identifies sin. Sin is anything, actually, that's not God. Anything that's not God himself is sin. So the law identifies sin as sin, and it leads man to the knowledge of sin. Then Brother Lee brought out this verse. This is Romans seven eleven, which says, for sin, seizing the opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it killed me. So sin, through the commandment, deceives us and kills us. Now, what this shows is this. This shows the law is the instrument through which sin deceives and kills men. 
And 1 Corinthians 15.56 shows us that the power of sin is the law. Again, we see that when we try to keep the law, we give sin the opportunity to deceive us and kill us. We need to turn from the law to the indwelling Christ. He is the one within us who has the power to overcome sin. Thank you, Ed. These are revolutionary, mind-renewing views from the Scripture that are invaluable in our overcoming these conditions and these problems in Romans 7. Thank you for your fellowship. Let's go back now to witnessing. There is a law whenever I try to do good. The evil is present with me. Firstly, in verse 22, you have the law of God. You may mark there, number one. But I see a different law in my members. So this means in our body, in our fallen body, in our flesh, there is another law, a different law in my members, warring against the law of my mind. Mark the law of my mind, number two. But you have the third law, which is the law in my members. Mark the law in my members, number three. Now you could see this, that in our soul there is a good law. In our body there is a bad law, the law of sin that is evil. Then verse 24 says, Righteous men that I who will deliver me from the body of this death. Why our body becomes of this death? Because now in the body there is the evil law. The law of sin warring against the good law in our soul. And this evil law makes our body the body of this death. How death? The death of being defeated. The deaths are being made a captive. The deaths are being a captive carried away by the law of sin in our body. Verse 25 is the answer. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the deliverance. Who will deliver me from the body of this death? The deliverance is through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, listen to this. With the mind, I myself, not with my spirit by the Lord Jesus, but with the mind, I myself serve as a slave the law of God. But with the flesh, the law of sin. The law in my mind corresponds with the law of God. The law in my mind responds to the law of God. The law of God is outside of us, making a law of demands, requirements on us. Whenever the love of God making the mind over us. Right away, within our mind, 
that means within our soul. There is a good now. And this good now right away responds to God's law. God's law says, honor your parents. And the good law in a man right away says, Amen. I will do it. When the bad law hears, the good law is responding. Oh, the bad law says, What? Uh-huh. You are going to do good according to God's law, are you? Right away, the bad law wars against the good law. And eventually, it captures you. And you become a captive. A captive in the law of sin. Well, this is not a doctrine, surely. This is our history. Ed, this really needs our focus and I think our concentration to understand all that's happening here. We now have four different laws operating, some within and some without. And the net result is that we desperately need someone to deliver us. Help us, Ed. Let's look at these laws. This is absolutely marvelous, Paul's insight into what's going on within our being. Okay, firstly, outside of us is the law of God. And we've seen that this law is a portrait of what God is. Now we come to the laws operating within us. And when we talk about these laws, what we're talking about is the spontaneous, innate capacity or working principles going on within us. A spontaneous power operating within us, like the law of gravity, for instance. The law of gravity is a spontaneous, innate capacity of gravity. It's the spontaneous power of gravity. It's the working principle of gravity. Well, let's look at these kind of laws within us. Firstly, we have the law of our mind. And the law of our mind, we would call this the law of good. There's something within our being that wants to do good. Because God created us in his image, only God is good. Well, in our created being, we want to do good. We want to be good. And this law of our mind responds to the law of God outside of us. But there's another law, Paul says, in our members that is stronger, much, much stronger than the law of good in our mind. This is the law in our members. This is the law of sin and death. What this is, this is the working principle of sin and death within us. This is the spontaneous power and innate capacity of sin and death within us. And when we try to do good, Paul says, whenever I try to do good, evil is right there with me. So when we try to do good and we try to obey the law of God, immediately that kicks in, that switches on the law of sin and death in our being, and we can't overcome this law by the law of good in our mind. But we will see in a future broadcast, and I want to mention to our listeners to keep listening to these broadcasts, that there's another law that can overcome the law of sin and death. This is in Romans 8. This is the law of the spirit of life. The spirit of life indwells our spirit. And this spontaneous power of the spirit of life overcomes the law of sin and death in our flesh. 
So I would like to say this just in conclusion. The law of God is outside of us. In our flesh is the law of sin and death, a terrible law. In our soul, which the mind is the leading part, is the law of our mind, the law of good, which tries to fulfill the law of God, but can't because the law of sin and death is always overcoming the law of good in our mind. But praise the Lord, there's the law of the spirit of life in our spirit. When we set our mind on the spirit, we spontaneously overcome the law of sin and death in our flesh, and we fulfill the righteous requirements of the law of God spontaneously by walking according to the spirit. This is all the things that are going on in our being. Simply speaking, we just need to turn to the Spirit in our spirit, set our mind on the Spirit, and switch on the law of the Spirit of life. Then we can overcome the law of sin and death in our being. Ed, we are not simple creatures, are we? No, we're not. But one thing that's encouraging is our experience can be very simple by just turning to the Spirit, setting our mind on the Spirit, and spontaneously we live Christ and express Christ. Thank you, Ed. Let's rejoin Witness Lee for the conclusion of our life study. If we are careful in reading these three chapters, we could see Romans 7 was Paul's experience before he got saved. Then you may ask why after chapter 6 Paul needs to mention something of his experience before he got saved. Well, the reason is this. To prove to you that today we are not under the law. Paul would say, Oh dear saints, do you like to be still under the law? If you do, let me tell you what experience I had. Firstly, law doesn't help you. Law deceives you. Law gives occasion to the sin to uh, work on you. Law even kills you. Do you still like to be under law? You shouldn't. But I have to tell you something more. Even you like to be under law, you could never make up to keep the law. And he tells you the full story of his experience. To prove to you, you can't make it to keep the law. God's law was given not for the purpose to help you, but for the purpose to stir up sin, to bother you, to help the exposing of the sinful law within you. You were created by God. Whatever God created was good. But, plus to the good thing created by God, something has been injected into man. Something has been injected into man's body. And we know this something was the fruit of the tree of knowledge. So, Here, in the fallen body, you do have Satan's system. That is the law of sin. And in our mind, we do have a system created by God. That is the law of God. So, chapter 7 
really helps us very much to get out our wrong concept. You see? It's very helpful if you could understand it rightly, adequately, that we know where we are. And we know what we are. And we know what are within us. As we would have got to know this, we just have to say, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for what? For number one, God has no intention to ask us to keep his law. Number two, praise the Lord that we do have a good law, yet so weak, so impotent, that we have to forget about it. But praise the Lord for the following chapter. In the following chapter, we do have a standing to praise. Ed, the Romans 7 experience certainly is not a pleasant one. It's an experience of struggle and failure. And one of the factors of our failure and struggle is the very law of God. Ed, if we're not capable of keeping the law, then what function does it serve in his economy? We need to see the function of the law of God in God's economy. And there are three functions from the Bible. Firstly, it exposes man in his sinful nature and evil deeds. What the law does is it works as a mirror to us. When you look at the law, you realize this is what God is and this is what I am not. I am sinful. I am a sinner. So what the law does when it exposes you, it has another marvelous function. This is the second function. This function is seen in Galatians 3, 23 and 24. The law guards God's chosen people and escorts them to Christ. The law functions to bring us to Christ. And the third function is it subdues men as sinners under God's judgment. So when man looks at the law, man realizes, I am just a sinner under God's judgment. I need to believe in the Christ. I need to receive Christ. And then I need to enjoy Christ and turn to Christ day by day so that I can be justified not only objectively, but also in my living. Uh, another thing I would like to say to the listeners in conclusion is eventually we'll come to Romans 8. And Romans 8 will bring us out of this dark tunnel. It will bring us out of the law of sin and death into the law of the spirit of life. The spirit of life is in our spirit. Now we need to switch on this law, just like we switch on electricity. We need to switch on the law of the spirit of life. And what the law of the spirit of life is, I would use an illustration. It's like the law of aerodynamics that overcomes the law of gravity. You can't overcome the law of gravity by your own strength. But if you get into a jumbo jet, the law of aerodynamics spontaneously overcomes the law of gravity without any effort on your part. In the same way, when we enjoy the law of the spirit of life in our spirit, spontaneously, without any effort, we overcome the law of sin and death, we live Christ, and we express him for his purpose. Ed, this message on one examination may seem to have included a lot of complicating factors with the three or four laws and the different lives and the different parts of our being, but the simple fact that you elucidated here at the end, the key is to contact Christ in our spirit. Yes. This is really our hope, our way. 
Yes, that's right. We have much more of the life study of Romans, and as you mentioned, we have Chapter 8 ahead. We hope all of our listeners will join us for these future programs. And we'll have you back with us very soon, Ed. Thank you for being here today. You're welcome. I'm looking forward to another broadcast. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. These programs are based on messages Witness Lee gave when he did a comprehensive book-by-book study of the Bible, showing how Christ is life to man. Whether you're hearing these life studies via radio, online, or as a podcast, we hope you'll visit our website, lifestudy.com. There, you'll find more than 1,700 audio studies covering every book of the Bible. Again, That's lifestudy.com. Thanks again for listening.